0: Right, hello everyone, or hello strangers, there we go, I managed it, I actually managed it. Hello strangers. Welcome to episode 24 of Strangers in the Cinema with myself Paul Anderson and my co-host the ever enigmatic Pete Wall. Uh, Yes, uh, great to be back man, as always, for episode
1: 24, uh, away from the hex of episode 23 which haunted our our lives and dreams. Yeah,
0: I love how we got that number 23 thing working all the way through, no we didn't, but anyway we'll we'll move on from that I think, but... Right, yeah, so for this week's episode, as
1: usual, we're going to be running through our journey in the cinema from the popcorn counter through to coming attractions, then we'll do a feature review. Today, actually, we're going to split into two feature reviews, so you're getting more for your non-existent money, and then to credits where we'll give credit to something really, really awesome. Um,
0: First of all, though, generally, man, how are you? I'm well. I ran five kilometres Five? Count them. Five five kilometres, yes.
1: Nice one, nice one.
0: Which, if any listeners know me, then that's quite an achievement for me, because my hobbies involve films and video games, and that's been it for the last many, many years. I hope
1: that when you were running those five kilometres, you were at least listening to like a film show or... I was listening to...
0: I've listened to the episode number 23 at least 74 times, which has made (laughs) it our... Probably it's going to be our best performing episode, I think. So yeah, great. Um, I man. haven't told you that before now, but all those clips are me or possibly my mum who <laughs> listens to these on a regular basis. So but thank all, you, mum. But all joking aside, <laughs> listeners, no,
1: thank everyone. Well, thank you very much, uh, whoever you are at the the other end of this exchange, for downloading and listening to the last show because yeah, it's done really, really well. We're really encouraged by that, and so much so that we're toying with the idea of doing a weekly rather than bi-weekly show we'll see how it goes it depends on support and you know continuing downloads and stuff like that but we'd love to do it if we have the opportunity um without wasting any more time though paul um should we get straight into it let's yeah. Well, uh, as you know, we step up to the popcorn counter at the start of every show and we take uh, either sweet or salty or some other variety of popcorn, which is an indicator of what we think about a particular film. In this case, Paul, what are you going to get when you plunge your hand into your container of popcorn? I
0: think I'm going to start start with the negatives and hopefully you know, end, end this on a high point. I can't remember what I did last week. Last week? Last two weeks ago, in fact. I can't remember what I did yeah, then. Yeah, maybe two weeks. If it's salty before, then I apologise, but I'm going to start with salty again. Okay. and now. If I'm wrong with the description of this film, then horror film geeks out there, please correct me. I do tend to pride myself on knowledge of of these matters, so I hope I've got this right. Okay. So, I'm going with Zombie Flesh Eaters 2. Okay. A.K.A. Zombie 3. Right. Or Zombie 3, A.K.A. Zombie Flesh Eaters 2, which I think is the correct order of the titles. So it was but a year ago that you
1: and I went to see a screening of Zombie Flesh Eaters, the Lucio Ful- Fulci movie. Um, kind of beautiful, kind of weird, fairly horrifying, fairly seminal and
0: sort of a cult hit. So this is the, n- the follow-up to that? Yes, I want to explain the titling of the film before I get into the, the qu- calibre of the film itself. So, Okay, keep it concise. I will try and keep this concise. George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead was originally released as a film called Zombie. The film that became known as Lucio Fulci's Zombie Flesh Eaters was originally released as a film called Zombie 2. Lucio Fulci has co-directed this with someone else who I've completely forgotten the name of, but Fulci does have the main directorial credit of this, then released a film called Zombie 3, which has become known as Zombie Flesh Eaters 2. If I'm wrong, horror geeks out there, correct me. I don't think I am. Okay, I believe you. So to get into the meat of the film um, unfortunately it's just not very good whereas I really love the original film it's got it's got everything that sure, surely you can't get into her. the meat surely you got in, get into the flesh get into I mean, the yeah, yes yeah, to, to, take, like... to take the flesh from the bones of, of Zombie 3 aka Zombie Flesh Eaters 2 or vice versa yeah um, it's just a bit flat to be honest it feels it feels a bit like a lazy retread of Return of the Living Dead it's got some unintentionally hilarious dialogue there are there is some pretty good gore which you'd expect from a vulture film a couple of half decent set pieces but the whole thing just feels a little bit flat as i said there's you know just to as i said it it does feel like it's a lot like return of the living dead where you've got this kind of gas that's released and the military trying to shut things down just feels a bit like a just a poor man's version of return of the living dead really and it's it's just a bit flat and not very good to be honest and it was one of those films where i think i've I've called you on this before where we've watched certain films in the cinema and you keep looking at your watch and I know that's when you're bored and I kept looking at the, the the timer on the front of the Blu-ray player as, as I was watching it, and I thought, eh, "Come on, come on! Fifteen minutes has gone, and then two minutes have passed." Yeah, I mean, and then again, I was just and it's only like a ninety-minute film, and it felt like it was on for about three hours. Well, and
1: that and that's like you mentioned. I mean, you're more of a horror aficionado than I am, and it's pretty damning if you're watching a horror movie that you know is at least in a lineage of things that you if are. If I
0: can't, if I can't take entertainment out of a Lucia Fulci film then he's doing something seriously well something has gone awry yeah. Yeah, so this one thumbs down as far as you're concerned no, two, two thumbs
1: down or two thumbs bitten off <laughs> love <laughs> it um, I'm going to take a, a slightly weird turn because we did say to you guys in previous episodes that sweet and salty are not the limitations of the popcorn counter are they? Um, I'm going to go for a different variety of popcorn this, oh. this, this show uh, episode 24 it's a brave new world um Stale. I'm gonna go stale. Stale, maybe with like some bits of popcorn in there that just taste really weird, and you like didn't really expect that you were gonna have those. that sort of mixed in there. If so stale then. So if salty's bad, stale is what? Stale offensively is, mediocre? Yeah. Or well, just, I don't know. I mean, you know, take what you will from what I say about Gavin O'Connor's um, film. Well, Gavin O'Connor, the director of the film, The Accountant, um, on general release at the moment, starring one Ben Affleck as. Okay, the way I'm going to try and summarise this, it's a bit like, um, let's make it concise as I was trying to get you to do two, it's a bit like um, X-Men Autism Edition.
0: Okay. Let's say.
1: Um, I say this because... I'm this, sold. This is, a, this, is a, this is a film starring Ben Affleck, which is a, about... So uh, like Rain Man with superpowers? yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not far off. It's about an accountant, uh, as you might expect, played by Ben Affleck, who is autistic. And at the beginning, we get some establishing stuff about going to a doctor and finding out that he is behaving differently from the other kids and so on. And then you find out that as an adult, not only is he a supremely gifted accountant, but he also is a supremely gifted fighter and handler of a weapon. And you think you combine those things together, and you might have a recipe for you know great success. Are you Are going to get have that's action an unusual, in there?
0: That's an unusual character. I wouldn't normally attribute. An, I mean, I don't get wrong. I don't know any autistic accountants, and I'm certainly not taking away the ability of any autistic you need to people meet to, to find. Seriously, um, but it doesn't strike me as, as a fit for an accountant to be um, a badass, for want of a better. Yeah, word.
1: it's not really a fit for the film either. To be to be completely frank. Um, ben Affleck commits himself wholeheartedly to this role he does you can see that he's he's well intentioned he tries to give his all to going sort of method on being autistic at the end of the day though I think it does play a little bit close to being offensive um, there are moments in the film where it's almost as if they're trying to posit that that sort of autism being on that scale or being potentially Asperger's as I think he's more specifically is um, is some kind of superhuman gift that allows you to sort of um, uh, supersede all expectations in all areas of her life which I don't think is the experience of everybody who is on that scale um, you also have some some down or some bum notes in this thing like Anna Kendrick an actress that I think we probably both like quite a mm. lot Anna Kendrick is, is warm and endearing in almost everything wasted in this film she's a sort of um, bit part love interest for ben affleck who joins him on his journey to um to sort of right wrongs and yeah i don't want to give too much away about the plot you've already got the x-men uh, autism edition uh, tag that i'm that i'm giving this is Ga- gavin o'connor if that had
0: made the po- if that makes the poster for the, the
1: home release that would be great yeah 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 x-men meets rain man i suppose <laughs> uh on crack or whatever they'd say on old dvd <laughs> releases uh, yeah, Gavin O'Connor's the director. Now, Gavin O'Connor is someone that I have a bit of time for because he was the director of Warrior, and being a big MMA guy, as you know I am, yes. I bore you with that. Uh, he directed Warrior, which I thought was really quite good. Um, he's also directed Jane Got a Gun, which I know got hammered, the uh, Natalie Portman that's
0: necessarily his fault, though, is it? Because he picked, he picked the reins up of that after someone left. Right, right. I, I haven't happened. caught up with yeah. it yet,
1: and I'm, I'm sure I will do it. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix. But yeah, this thing... Pfft, there are, there are moments of action, there are moments of. Well, I think it was Ramsay Ramsey that left
0: out, actually. Is that, actually, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Been, I yeah. don't know.
1: But um, yeah, uh, overall, it just is all a bit odd. There's about three different films here. There's a subplot with J.K. Simmons. Again, kind of wasted um they they tried to do too many things at the same time. um, the numbers don't add up, you could say, <laughs> uh so yeah, in the end, for me it, it just all left me a little bit cold and sort of scratching my head and wondering where this thing went off the rails because it certainly did go off the rails,
0: okay, which brings me to sweet popcorn've got sweet popcorn, and at risk of turning this into the Werner Herzog podcast, um I am going to talk about Herzog film. Uh, um, basically you remember a a few episodes back we did a credits credits section where we referenced Werner Herzog and I specifically said I haven't caught up with some of his some of his earlier work specifically some of his classic films Um, picked up a box set and I've you know I started it with Aguirre Wrath of God Aguirre Aguirre (laughs) or Aguirre as I was you were correcting me before the podcast so we'll we'll go with Aguirre and claim that I've always ever said that although I've admitted I didn't know yeah no one will know yeah no one will know yeah wow just wow like what a starkly starkly beautiful film um to set the scene is kind of i believe portuguese or spanish kind of conquistadors going through the rainforest and they are looking for el dorado now they're led by originally they're led by a certain they're led by the the, the commander of the platoon and klaus kinski who absolutely eats up this film and eats up the screen. Um, yeah, story. I can honestly say, it's considering one. you know, considering I do a film podcast and I've done a film degree, I can honestly say it's the first film I've seen with Klaus Kinski in, which is pretty shameful, to be perfectly honest. Well, maybe we'll do a, yeah. a, a sort of run yeah. of reviews on, on Kinski films yeah. or something like that. But, cool to but what, what a guy. And basically, so he, he betrays the leader of this that unit of, of Spanish soldiers. And then it's kind of just follows his descent into absolute madness as he takes them further and further into the jungle, desperate to find El Dorado, which actually turns out doesn't exist and was a myth made up by natives to detrap, distract the soldiers from destroying more of their habitat, really. And it's just... Visually, absolutely stunning. It's very, very light on dialogue, and it's just an exceptional. It's an exceptional piece of filmmaking. And you know, going from what we said last week, where we said you know Herzog proves to be fallible, and in lo and behold, to see the man at the height of his powers, he just realised what a such a capable filmmaker he is with 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 a gear egg, And it's I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah, and like you mentioned, I mean.
1: Great that you got to see that right after having that slight disappointment that we talked about on the last episode with with "Lo and Behold" Mm. to see that you know him at sort of the height of his powers, I suppose. Um, For me, then keeping it um, well, keeping it positive, keeping
0: the energy up. Yeah, I oh was gonna God.
1: say I was gonna say keeping it positive, but I I'm, I'm glancing down at my notes and I noticed that the other film I'm going to uh, briefly review is also um, it's going to fall into the category of salty. I'm going to go salty on fair time. enough. So you we've got, got stale and salty. <laughs> salty. You've
0: not had the best week of films, have you? No, fair I'm then. tired. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Talking of being tired, you will feel that way if you are um, somebody who goes to the cinema and sees Ron Howard's latest instalment in the Da Vinci Code sequence challenge me
0: why did I go what the hell did you expect from this Inferno sorry because I've interrupted you before I let you say the title of the film but what the hell did you expect here's the thing Paul as as you know both you and I are quite committed to seeing almost everything that we have
1: access to whether it be through streaming or at the cinema I try to get to the cinema as much as I can I live like a minute away Um, I've got no excuse to miss anything this was one of those cases where you know sometimes more is more and uh, it's a a mistake to try and take in everything that's at the cinema. I mean <laughs> Ron, Ron Howard really personifies a sort of patchy back catalog of directorial work. If you go back from this Inferno which uh, Tom Hanks and uh, Felicity Jones running around trying to solve ridiculously penetrable clues. The two
0: such such talented actors they are. Like Tom clues. Hanks and Felicity Jones. That's a great, that's a great double bill, right? Yeah, yeah. In another
1: right. movie, you say the yeah. the two leads are Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones, and and you're all in. But with this thing, um, the the best performance, incidentally whilst we're here, is uh, Irfan, Irfan if I'm doing him justice, Irfan Khan, who you know from Jurassic World and Slumdog Millionaire and Life of Pi and stuff yeah. like that, who has a lot of fun with his role. I didn't have a lot of fun watching it, but yeah, I was going to say about patchiness. Ron, Sorry, yeah, it harks back to his yeah sort of inconsistent Ron Howard. Nature. Now I'm losing patience because the last thing I saw and the last thing he did that, that had wide release was In the Heart of the Sea with Chris Hemsworth uh, about the story of Moby Dick which was tiresome in the extreme um, Ben Whishaw kind of wasted in that um, in this one yeah it's not as if it's not as if I'd exactly say that Tom, Tom Hanks and uh, Felicity Jones are wasted it's just that the material the source material is so dumb that what are you supposed to do and ultimately you've got what is, is a, supposedly a sort of thrilling action film Helmed by a 60-year-old man running around cities across Europe. And if the stuff that he was trying to do could keep your interest, then that would be okay. But instead we have him shouting things like, yes, an anagram. Wow, when he solves a puzzle that involves
0: mixing that's around not about to say, seven characters, that's not characters. to say that we're not saying that people shouldn't get excited about anagrams. Anagrams because, are awesome, man. You know, their own. I love an anagram. You do, but I mean, all you always talk to me about. It, honestly, we yeah. go for dinner, anagram. Yeah, we go to the pub, anagram. Yeah, we go for dinner anagrams right um yeah but, that's all we ever talk about normally so but in this case i, I don't know because i haven't seen da vinci
1: code part one but i think there was a thing in that where they went hey apple and they like rearranged the letters and made apple anyway <laughs> dumb really 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 dumb um and it all feels like we're all supposed to be invested in something that's so on the face of it stupid that it's very hard to you know really even dip your toe into believing any
0: of this nonsense this is the whole conspiracy kind of illuminati thing is yeah still on that, that kind i have of thing, no or? time
1: for it man i don't know about you but i have no time for it. i have no time for the damn browns of the world i have no time for the alex jones or whatever that guy's called on the internet who shouts about conspiracy theory. i just have no time for it so this wasn't the movie for me i should have expected very little and i got probably even less than i expected
0: so we've moved away from in fact Probably mostly disappointment at the popcorn counter. My popcorn sucks, man. I didn't enjoy yeah. any of
1: that, so I'm going to throw that away and just Let's wait throw for that, that feature, away. Really. So,
0: so we leave the popcorn counter. We get into the cinema, and what happens when you get into the cinema is not what happened to me when I went to Cineworld to watch a film. I'm going to talk about later. So not only, a Cineworld now, not showing... I'm going to go into a Cineworld around here now, which you weren't expecting, <laughs> so I apologise. This, like this is like our so, most pervasive theme, just slagging so, off Cineworld. So basically, so for weeks now, for months now, Cineworld has not shown trailers in the correct aspect ratio. And when I've questioned them on it, they just said, that's just how it is, Apparently, which is annoying. Yeah. Fine, that's annoying. So, went to the IMAX, the trailers are in the correct aspect ratio. Hooray! But all the lights are on in the cinemas, you can't see the fucking trailers. Ooh. bleep that out, Connor. So, yeah, I've, I've sworn in the last three episodes, <laughs> I think, haven't I? But normally around Cineworld as well. So now the lights are so high in the trailers, you can't actually see the trailers on the screen. So, anyway, you were excited for the trailers. Coming attractions. You don't know. Go. I don't know, because I couldn't see any. I couldn't see. We did. We were talking about what coming attractions we are going to do, and I went, I can't remember the trailers from Doctor Strange. Give away what I'm going to talk about in a minute, but never mind. Yes, because actually, I couldn't see them. So, once again, cheers, chant them. Job well done. Anyway, enough of my negativity. Boom. Hit okay. Me with a coming attraction. I'll get positive.
1: Uh, don't ever clap on the podcast again. That's going to blow someone's <laughs> eardrum. Um, I'm going with um, the new or upcoming film from Jim Jarmusch, uh, someone who we talked about a previous episode when. I think it's end of year list, actually, when I was talking about Only yes, Lovers, F Only alive, right, yeah. Um yeah. And on and on and on. We could go on about Jarmusch yeah. for ages and we'll do a credits thing, I'm sure, at some point. But this is. Patterson, which seems to me to be a vehicle for the talents of one adam driver who is an actor that i sort of want to dislike but can't because he's really But he's kind of in star wars he's, he's really sorry that's the exciting star wars he's thing, doing what know. in
0: star wars he's kind of running star wars
1: I mean? so i thought you said he's kind of ruining star wars no like, no, whoa, no no no, no whoa. throwing shade yeah. on adam <laughs> driver But, um, yes, this one is described as uh, Patterson, to repeat the title. is described as set in the present in Patterson, New Jersey. This is a tale about a bus driver and a poet. And when I hear that this is a tale about a bus driver and a poet, it kind of makes me want to stab out my own eyes. But then I remember that this is a film by Jim Jarmusch. Yes, go ahead, Paul.
0: When you showed me the trailer, I thought, what is this sort of indie schmaltz? And then suddenly Jim Jarmusch's name came up, and I thought, okay, now I'm listening. Yeah, this tickling the balls of like Sundance or whatever,
1: a Jim Jarmusch movie but yes, Jim Jarmusch is attached to this and I'm in Um, Yeah, we've seen the trailer, we don't want to get too into it apart from that, it looks as if this is a sort of meditative Jarmusch film that you might expect um, wherein we're introduced to a bus driver who drives around in New Jersey and has some experiences and encounters people and will be about the depth of character and, and the story more than it is about any great big action set pieces or anything like that if you're in for Jim Jarmusch, then you're in for this film. Um, look out for it in theatres near you. Hopefully. Soon, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Right. What have you got, then? I've got... Oh, and sorry, we've got to do this on the show because Go we're going to be professionals. Yeah. The general release date for Patterson is the 25th of November 2016, this very year. So with any luck towards the
0: end of this month, you should see that around where you live. Go ahead, Paul. So while I'm talking, can you do me a favor and look up the release date for what I'm talking about? I could. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a film called Split, uh, starring James McAvoy uh, as 23 different personalities. Now, when I first watched the trailer, I have to say I thought, that doesn't look too bad. That looks quite intriguing. I watched the trailer again before the podcast. I'm st- I don't really know why I'm why I'm excited about it, except that I feel that this may well be... The very last roll of the dice for M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I don't personally think he's made a great film since Unbreakable, and I think Unbreakable is his best film. But he is capable of putting some tense films together. James McAvoy should be interesting to see what he can do with twenty-three different split personalities. The horror elements look like it might be interesting. I've
1: got something for you as well. You know who's in? What have you got for me? Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, which I don't want to put you on the spot, but the uh, young female
0: character in The Witch is in this I thought I recognised it from somewhere yeah, so it's very yeah, different yeah, split. so that's Split um, and yes I think it'll be the final role of the Dice for Shyamalan how he keeps getting money for films is beyond incredible. me incredible the guy must network
1: like an absolute yes. Yeah, I
0: don't understand how he gets money for films because his, his, recent, his recent output has been a bit crap you to be honest, so. ask and I deliver. When's Paul. it out? The release date, general
1: release date, as far as the IMDb is concerned, is the twentieth of January, twenty seventeen. So okay. a couple of months away on this one. Could but, be a uh, New Year's treat for everyone. Bring you into the New Year. I don't know if it's going to trouble the Oscars, but it does look like an interesting premise. Like, uh, did you ever see that TV series, The United States of Tara? No. Uh, t- Tony Collette is at the centre of okay. that. She's, she hasn't got twenty three personalities. I think she's got about eight or something. But yeah, worth checking out, listeners, if you uh, if you haven't seen that.
0: Or, or heard of it, in, in fact, before now. Yeah, so get excited about those two. Yes, and more importantly, get excited about bah, 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 the feature reviews. Cut that out, Connor. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I thought of that course, was, that was great. Wasn't no, that, it? that was dramatic. Okay, it brought the the drama. That, you so know, trailers are over, and we're in we're into the feature reviews yes
1: we are Paul do you want to go first shall I go first because this week listeners we've gone for two feature reviews mainly because I suck and I haven't seen Doctor Strange yet so uh, Paul's going to take that one on single handedly and then I am going to take on Ava DuVernay's documentary 13th do you want to go first or shall I go first you can go first Pete let's go with let's go with 13th okay because I suck and I haven't seen that either so it, here we go it may have so. come up once or twice but I am a bit of a um, a bit of a fan of the documentary format um, no, I can't can't believe that. By be the honest. way, honorable mention for Last Days of Vietnam, guys. Check it out; it's a PBS documentary.
0: Um, I'll say no. And minute. your birthday present, perhaps? I think I did well there. Uh, man man with the
1: camera, man with the man, with the, movie man the movie camera, man with yeah. the movie camera, man with yeah. the movie camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. lavish yeah. box set. There. Yeah. Lovely. Yes, good. Um, I'm glad you liked it. Yes, <laughs> but back back to the business at hand. Thirteenth is available on Netflix streaming for those of you in the UK, and I'm sure in America as well. You get everything better than what we do. Um, yes, Thirteenth, every you'll know as the director of Selma which was sort of a bit shunned by the Oscars and also embraced at the same time it's a bit weird Mm. Um, she has delivered with this film uh, a kind of damning indictment of the American sort of American society at large but particularly the penal system in America and the way in which well, the title of the film, 13th, refers to the 13th Amendment. What is I'm, the 13th Amendment? I've never heard of this. Yeah, you, you know, I'm not too proud to say I didn't have any idea. But it is the, the amendment which was connected with the abolition of slavery. So that's a good thing, right? Yes, it is. The problem here for um and, and for America uh, and the world at, at large is that it has within it the caveat that slavery is not um, outlawed if it is in the service of, or um, how should I put this, it doesn't cover people who have a criminal record. So if you're a criminal... You can be sold into slavery. You, you can be a slave in the sense that you can do work for no money, which is essentially what okay. slavery is, yeah. right? We're clear. So we're talking, of course, about people who are within the legal, uh, excuse me, within the prison system in the United States who lose their rights and have to produce for often private companies because the 13th amendment for them doesn't apply or more so it does apply in the worst way possible. Right. Yeah. Um, It's a very clear eyed view of the problems that surround the way in which African American people are uh, at first were vilified and now when vilifying a minority is very heavily frowned upon from everybody except sort of Donald Trump and his acolytes. Um, the way in which it's sort of gone underground and instead we've created a system or at least America has a system in place whereby African-Americans can be used in a way to benefit the bottom line of private companies we're introduced to things like is it
0: just african-americans or is it white convicts as well okay
1: it's not specifically african-americans but what she does a really good job of in this documentary is explaining how actually in practical terms that's the subset of society which is most damaged and most badly affected in ways that that at some points is absolutely astonishing um and we also see that the blood is on the hands of one and the next and the next american president through clinton through bush to obama where the system is grinding its gears and working in a way where none of the presidents that have been sitting in office since the abolition of slavery have been able to do anything really significant to break this cycle and i think that's the biggest takeaway Mm. from this this film really also is it something that we were talking about earlier on but ALEC is introduced or was introduced to me for the first time in this documentary. ALEC stands for the American Legislative Exchange Council. Not not Alec Baldwin. Not Alec Baldwin. Okay. (laughs) Um, And it is a system whereby private companies um, and the state collaborate in drawing up new legislation or at least proposing new legislation. This legislation in turn can lead to new laws being enacted Those laws can then punish on at a greater level people who will spend more time in prison and because they're in prison for a longer time can benefit members of Alec. You guessed it, because those private companies, for example, to give an example that's tangible, those companies might be companies that um, produce the food that is sold to the prison service Mm. If you have more prisoners, you have more demand. If you can create laws that create more prisoners, then you have more prisoners to fulfill that demand, and your profits wow, go okay. up. I mean, th- this thing is startling. So, I yeah, I could go on and on and on about the documentary and all the details of it. I yeah. just, I just really compel well, you I think to the
0: context is important. Yeah, me, so.
1: I compel you know listeners to check it out for themselves. It, like I said at the beginning, it's available on Netflix. There's no difficulty in accessing mm. this thing. And Ava Duvernay is. A filmmaker who just goes from strength to strength I think and um, yeah so big recommendation on that one from, from me sweet if we were in that section of yes. the show but <laughs> we're not and it feels a bit weird attaching sweet popcorn to what yes. I've just said yeah
0: so yeah a, a well-crafted documentary yeah I mean
1: take take us out of that realm Paul and, and go somewhere completely different I, think I will take doing. you
0: to a realm of magic <laughs> um in a film that to be honest isn't all that magical it's okay so Doctor Strange uh, directed by um, everyone's favourite director Scott Derrickson oh Derrickson yeah everyone's favourite who 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 has made a number of those horror films that all are exactly the same but are all called something different I want (laughs) to say he directed I'm going to tell you Sinister I'm I want to, to say you. Sinister but I've got a feeling it's the other one no, he wrote Sinister Insidious did he direct Insidious? Uh, let's have a little scan down here listeners
1: yeah, bear with us for a second uh, yeah Sinister director and writer okay so it was Sinister The Day okay. the Earth Stood Still also yeah, it, the, the
0: horrible remake of The Day the Earth Still so, one right directed by Scott Derrickson so yeah, I was a bit wary of this Doctor Strange is another. Just to set some context, it's the next in the series of Marvel, the continuing series of Marvel films. Starring Benedict Cumberbatch as the titular Doctor Strange, Um, supported by Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think I did well there. Tilda Swinton and Mads Mikkelsen. Wow, what a cast! What could really go wrong with that cast? Thankfully, from the cast perspective, not much. Mm -hmm. But we are very much in. We are now at the point in the Marvel films where they're very much just following such an obvious bloody template that they can't seem to get out of it. So I feel they're more producers' films than directors' films. It's entertaining enough. The set pieces are enjoyable. It's just another kind of standard Marvel Origins movie. Benedict Cumberbatch does a good enough job. His accent's wobbling all over the shop a bit. Um, The set pieces are a bit different because there's magic involved. But we fall into this, as I said a minute ago, we fall into the same traps where you've got a bit of a crap villain to be honest a completely underused Mads Mikkelsen which is a shame because Mads Mikkelsen's awesome mm. Tilda Swinton gives they all give good performances T- Tilda Swinton's good in
1: this though Tilda really good in it yeah,
0: yeah. Tilda Swinton's really good in it Benedict Cumberbatch is, is good in it everyone's decent in it it's just it's just feels so generic now and you know I've been kind of a, a staunch defender of the Marvel films for a while now and I think even even the most ardent fans of the Marvel films must be sitting there and going these are all the bloody same yeah. Um the magic puts an interesting twist slightly interesting twist on things you've got some inception-ish set pieces that are kind of cool um there's the ending's a bit the ending's okay but it's just it's just very generic marvel to be honest and it's a yeah. shame really because I think as much as as much as I want to like it and it's I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I'm being too harsh. But is on it. that because, is that part because, of know, it, I mean, it, is, it? There's still entertainment to be had. It's but. it's
1: interesting that you say. You know, you feel like maybe you're being too harsh, and and you want to like it. But is this where we are with Marvel at this point? Where fans of, for example, the the, the Marvel uh, mythology and the series feel this sort of obligation to go to every single iteration and whatever character I think you off might be onto it, something yeah. there because I
0: think and I think one of my frust- one of the things that frustrates me the most at the moment and yes I am this grumpy is that I, I kind of I, I was in hate- drifting off of Doctor Strange now and onto the wider comic book film thing but it's our podcast and we can do that if we want to do but, what we want but drifting onto the wider comic book thing like it frustrates me to hear kids talking about Suicide Squad for example and going oh you know the Joker's in this and that and this and that and like Suicide Squad is a piece of shit like it's a terrible film and there's almost no acceptance that it's an awful film and they, they feel like and I just get the impression and you know speaking to when I, we speak to people about Batman versus Superman as well and they blindly defend it going, but it's still Batman Superman and I'm like Doctor Strange isn't as bad as those films by any stretch Yeah, but there's got to be a point where you go just stop defending shitty or mediocre films just because they've got comic book characters in. It does it does the films no good. It ultimately does those franchises no favours. And a lot of the people who are into these films are quite passionate about... If you speak to them about other films, they're quite passionate. And they actually seem to know what they're talking about until it gets to the comic book characters. And they just blindly defend Dross. Yeah. Doctor Strange isn't Dross, but it could be a
1: lot better. Well, I don't know who it was who originally said this, so, you know, citation needed. But... Um, isn't the opposite of love indifference? And I feel that this is the case now with um, Marvel. And uh, to my mind, anyway, and I, we're in a slightly different position with this because I know that you are a bigger fan, and you, you know you you've got more of a background in sort of the comic books and stuff like that. He but says he's wearing
0: a Batman t-shirt. <laughs> so I hasten to add, I am criticizing Batman super versus Superman while I was wearing a Batman hoodie. So yeah, yeah, but it just. The, the feeling that
1: i get because i as i mentioned with inferno earlier on right i'll go along to almost anything at the cinema because i want to form my own opinion but at the same time i feel that there is such a sort of a malaise and such an indifference about these films that they keep making money they keep producing yeah giant sort of profits and merchandising possibilities but even fa- like to hear you as a sort of fan of the, the marvel law say Oh, my heart's fairly heavy and I'm fairly fatigued but by these films just a bit films. bored of it like, like surely that's the point at which we could have a break you know we just have a bit of a break but
0: then but then I'm just but then I'm guilty of then still going to see them and if people are going to see them they still make oh and I do too I do too yeah, I, so, I don't even you
1: know, I don't even love that stuff and I'll still go and see them so, no, so you right. get something sort of pushed down your throat for so long that and you, Yeah, you you know, know, they're trying to do
0: something a little bit different with the magic element going specifically back to the film because that's why I started talking about so apologies what, was, this, what was the best thing
1: about Doctor Strange? Like for you, the one thing that you would take away and say, like, I defend that other
0: than Tilda Swinton being amazing and everything, uh, the end is cool. Like it, without spoiling it, it, it it skews the usual hero versus villain fight and does something quite cool, mm-hmm. um, which I liked. But it's not different enough. It's you know, whereas you go back, and I think, I think for me, comic book films have peaked with your darker comic book films, the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, And the Marvel films, I think specifically the Marvel films, peaked with Guardians of the Galaxy, which actually isn't that much of a like what you'd think of a normal comic book film, Mm -hmm. and Captain America Winter Soldier. Now, they've kind of peaked at that, and I don't see how they can get much better than that. But what we're getting at the moment just feels like very workmanlike entries. They're almost like plodding, 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 here's an Avengers film, plod, 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 here's a new character. And the trouble is there's inherent similarities between the Marvel characters... Which is okay when you kind of read the comics because you'll find that not everyone has read all of the comics. Like, I've never read a Doctor Strange comic, for example, and I haven't sure. read many of the Marvel comics, but I've read some of the X Men. I've read a bit of Wolverine. I'm kind of more familiar with those characters, and certainly I'm with the Avengers. But because they all come up so close together, you like sit there and go, "Well, Doctor Strange is just the same as Iron Man. Mm. Like, it's just a rich guy who loses, it, who has an accident, and then is bought, but you know, gets Iron Man gets the suit, Doctor Strange gets powers, and you just it's almost too close together, so they just feel. Yeah. it just feels Wouldn't as they come much as so, yeah, they're trying to keep it fresh but it's just not and they come so thick and fast I mean
1: to me I know it's been probably a few months but like even Suicide Squad doesn't seem that long ago no like Batman vs Superman doesn't seem that long ago yeah. and now we've got the next thing and the next thing and the next thing on and on and
0: on so yeah um, I was going to say it's, a, it's okay for what it is it's okay um, but it's not it's not vintage it's not a vintage comic book film by any where, stretch and just maybe slow down on them when you're disappointed with that stuff don't you just go like oh if only uh
1: JCVD would like reboot the kickboxer franchise <laughs> because yes. that's the thing I've seen recently and I'm yes, not going to review have, it now yes. but um, the reason I thought about it is because you mentioned uh, Winter Soldier which has in it one George Rush St. Pierre I'm going to shoehorn in MMA and he also turns up in uh, Kickboxer Vengeance which is really awful but like really awful in a hilarious way where I recommend I'm it to watch that, I recommend absolutely. it to I'm everyone to watch that. They, they, they put Gina Carano in it at famed at, at female MMA fighter and she does zero fighting no fighting for the entire film. Well, because she's not the greatest actress. So, yeah, right. d- don't put all your eggs in the basket of uh, the Kickboxer yes. series or, if you're giving up on Marvel.
0: Or, go and, yeah, go and see Doctor Strange if you really like your Marvel films. And I'm sure people will claim to have loved it. They're lying. Um, it's oh, it's just okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So,
1: this brings us to... The credits are rolling. Credits are rolling, man. Last uh, episode, we gave credit to the excellent Exit Six Film Festival. And thank you, guys, anyone who sort of shared the episode and, and given us some, some exposure through it, giving some exposure to Exit Six, I suppose. And um, this time, we're going to go off on a bit of a tangent, I think. We are, yeah. Credit section. Because what we wanted to talk about for the last section of today's show is uh, really giving credit to
0: Charlie Brooker. Can and you explain Brad, why? Well, Charlie Brooker for for the TV series Black Mirror. So we are talking a bit about TV here, but sort of as a, as a wider credit for the, the gap between film and TV kind of no longer exists really. And whilst Black Mirror is technically regarded as a TV series, it's kind of we would see it's kind of like a series of short films really. And a lot of them now are just so cinematic. The line is the line is blurred really. Yeah, I mean, there's. Because we've talked
1: so much about Black Mirror off mic in the last sort of week or or so since it was rolled out on Netflix in its entirety, this is the third season of Black Mirror. It seemed fitting, really, to include it in this episode. But like Paul says, you know, obviously you can term that a television series. But when you've got, for example, the final episode of the season, um, Hated in the Nation with Kelly MacDonald running at, what, an hour and a half, like around 90 minutes... It's essentially, at very minimum, a TV movie, or could yeah. be. I and I would say because movie. they're
0: kind of they're almost episodes in their own. Well, they are sort of standard episodes. I would say they're kind of short films. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are, fairness, and, and yeah. short
1: films that really stretch the bounds of short when they are, yeah, an hour to yeah. an hour and a half each. Um, I wondered to, to kick this off, Paul, if there is a particular episode of the six that we were offered by by Charlie Brooker and his and his people. Uh, one that stood out for you as sort of the best of the
0: bunch or that particularly grabbed your attention? I'm going to say, for me, I think the one that really, really moved me was San Junipero, which I'm not going to say very much about the episode because it, it would give too much away, to be honest, and there's some, really nice, there's some really nice moments in there, and I didn't actually click what was going on until quite late into the episode and thought, oh, shit, that's kind of cool. And then by the end I was close to tears. It's yeah, just a, I mean, sort of a the very setup, The setup of that episode yeah. basically is It's a sort of very emotional tale about like a, a, a sort of young, shy girl who kind of starts going out clubbing and meets meets like this really outgoing this really outgoing girl who's having a great time. At a certain point in time though. Right. Yeah, it's kind of we're in the eighties. We, yeah, think we're in, that we're we're in, in. the eighties, and, and that, that's that's how it starts out. And as as you'd expect, the Black Mirror thing kind of jump around. But at the core of it is just really touching relationship between between these two women. One of us it is a really shy girl who doesn't who doesn't really understand she's a lesbian necessarily, and kind of shies away shies away from this. And then what it actually turns into, as you can imagine, with an episode of Black Mirror, is there's there's some sci fi elements attached to it, but the sci fi elements never. Outweigh the emotional core of it, and I have to say I was I was close to tears by the end. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: for the uninitiated, Black Mirror essentially is holding up a mirror to modern society and looking at the possible consequences of technology that we are developing now. Right, yeah. so we're often in sort of near future. In this case, we jump back to the relatively near past to look at yeah, what could be the fallout from what we're doing with technology now? But in this one, the one that you're mentioning, San Junipero, You've got actually a relatively positive uh, denouement and conclusion to the episode,
0: which is not actually, in keeping no, with no, the, the episode. Not in, with, uh, not in keeping with not in keeping with um, with Black Mirror at all. But again, like the the way it's shot and the, I think perhaps the budget that Netflix has allowed him to throw at it more. So although the Channel Four the ones on Channel Four did look pretty good as well. I think it's just it's quite nice to see it looking very cinematic and, and very well shot and, and very film like in its in its structure really.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I co-sign on that. And you know, just to tie a couple of things together from this episode, um funnily enough Gugu and Batha Raw who is one of the two leads in that episode Tanjinapero. Yeah. Um, she is going to be in Ava DuVernay's next feature film non-documentary feature film which is called Wrinkle in Time which is also co-starring Reese Witherspoon and Chris Pine which looks really promising and interesting Mm. as well so you see a lot of crossover with Black Mirror and feature length filmmaking right yeah. like not only are there directors involved who do director uh, who do excuse me feature length films but there are also actors who we know from a whole host of, of well, well.
0: howard turns up earlier in the series yeah talking um,
1: of that one that's nosedive right which is the first episode of the series at yeah. least as it runs in uk netflix i don't know elsewhere uh which is all about how society well kind of is and could be more so governed by ratings for individuals. Is
0: that the one that's exactly like the Meow meow beans episode of community? Yeah,
1: you brought that up and, it, and I really that's funny to see we're talking about T V now and mind. we can just sit there and go, oh I gotta talk about these T V shows. We'll yeah, try but, we'll try and keep focused. But, but, but here's the thing though man, like you say that and I agree with you, but at the same time you know we are not alone in our views of films being informed by now our views or viewings of sort of premium or prestige television Mm. or whatever you want to call it streaming television and vice versa so when you sing the praises of something that you've seen as a streaming series on netflix for example that ties in to your views and opinions about about filmmaking i think um, apart from that, one that I wanted to bring up because I think I had you in mind when, when I saw this one was Playtest. Yes. And the reason being, of course, that the Playtest deals with a character who's backpacking and has the opportunity to earn some much needed money. By involving himself in a play by
0: Wyatt Russell, who is the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn. Wow, drop in knowledge. There you go, I've done a a you there.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and and so what we've got there is um, this story which I found particularly disturbing because of the fact that augmented reality becomes just an absolutely unlivable nightmare by the end of that episode. And obviously, we're not here to break down and review every episode in in great detail, but the point that we were, were sort of getting to is yes, that. That Charlie Brooker has achieved with Black Mirror, I think something that indicates that not only can the divide between movies and premium television be seen as sort of thinner and more blurred than ever, but also that could promise that Charlie Brooker himself might be... In the reins of of some kind of feature filmmaking well I think the, and the,
0: the other thing I think to, to talk about where, where the the two are the two are so close together now is is black mirror as one example is dealing with issues that previously you could only have ever looked at with the budget of a film mm. like especially like the more sci the more sci fi heavy episodes you know there 's no way that even probably ten years ago you could have got the budget for a TV show to make to cover these issues in a TV show. it would have to be in a more expensive film so that's that's nice as well absolutely and
1: when this thing was picked up by netflix that obviously pushed the budget up way beyond what brooker and the rest of them had for uh the channel four first two series they put out on channel four right at least in Mm. in the the uk as as i say um so yeah that that has kind of expanded like you say what can be done within that format but also Yeah, brings everything sort of closer together. I mean, you look at things like um, House of Cards. You look at things like um, The Returned. You look—I mean, we go on and on. Westworld on
0: on HBO at the moment, like that, just looks like a film. The budget in Westworld is insane. Yeah, to be able to watch that quality of stuff episodically is great. And I think you know, and I think almost probably there's—I would put in fact, I'm not—I'm just going to throw this out there. I think there's probably more new talent working in TV now than there is certainly in in the american film industry yeah
1: and the very idea of television as we used to talk about it is dissolving because we're not consuming these things by and large on the television are we we're consuming them through our laptop or our phone or our tablet or whatever our streaming service platform might be so yeah things have changed i think a great deal and also to your point about uh about the nature of something like Westworld, right? You can involve yourself in a story. Black Mirror is a bit different because we have got standalone episodes. But with other series, you can involve yourself in a story where the feature films end at two hours or two and a half hours or or less. Here, you can go on and on and on with those those Mm. characters. So it gives both actors and directors and producers and so on such a huge canvas on which to develop their ideas. It's really... uh, Something that I think we're going to keep our, our eye on. Not that we're going to start introducing, you know, the the
0: strangers. No, I think a, we we will still be screening on films. For... But I think it's, you know, you know, Black Mirror. I thought was a, was a good opportunity for us to go. Look, we want to give some credit to a lot of the television that's being made today, not just Black Mirror. Um, although Black Mirror came up because it is more of a collection of shorts than, than a TV show. But I mean, Westworld for me, as, as I mentioned, as I mentioned just just a moment ago, is just blowing me away at the moment. And mm. to think that, that something of that quality is made for television just you know shows you how far we've come like,
1: yeah another one recently that, that i got into um at home is uh, man in the high castle which it thro- shows through amazon rather than netflix and again that could be a feature film mm. but because it isn't a feature film it actually gives it a lot more freedom to expand the world and do a lot more world building that you would get with with purely a feature film and also not having to be within the constraints of the sort of release schedule that sometimes um, it really has a negative impact on the way in which filmmakers mm. can produce feature films so yeah, we give credit this week to Charlie Brooker but not only Charlie Brooker, to the people who are really at the vanguard and forefront of making this of kind cinematic of... cinematic television for one yeah, of, yeah, for for one just, of for something, I think that's a good word for it, it actually, yeah. Yeah, it almost needs a different name now when mm. television starts to feel a little bit uh, outdated I think is a tag for that but um, yeah, not meaning to get outdated or overstay our welcomes ourselves, I guess we should wrap <laughs> things up for this particular episode of the show um Paul anyone in particular that you want to give shout outs to
0: before we bring this thing in give shout outs to this week yeah um Westworld. <laughs> Westworld, again, Westworld is blowing me away at the moment, I absolutely love it. I've got to get
1: on it, to be honest I, I'm behind the curve because I'm yet to watch a single episode. The pilot is
0: way. one of the finest pieces of television I've ever seen. Oh wow, and this is high, just, I'm, throwing that down I'm throwing that down there, but yeah. Well
1: yeah, that leaves us just to say then, um, as we do every time, that you can get in contact with both of us, the Strangers, through Twitter, um, at Stranger Cinema. Um, obviously, through the Facebook page, Strange in the Cinema, all of the episodes of the show back catalogued, uh, all the way back to the the very earliest ones that we did, are on SoundCloud. Please do what you can to spread the word share the show comment on the show
0: please review let us know what you like let us know what you don't like talk to us
1: a really important point if you've already got the show in the list of stuff that you listen to in your list of podcasts there's so much out there at the moment I know that we're just looking for a little bit of space in there subscribe if you subscribe that supports us that helps us out and that gives us the sort of confidence to go forward and make more of this stuff and and maybe even as we mentioned before to to go weekly rather than bi-weekly which would be fantastic I think so yeah, yeah. That just leaves uh, me, P. Wall, to say uh, goodbye for this time, and uh, me, Paul Anderson, say goodbye, strangers. Twice now, I've got that goodbye, strangers.